Welcome to Meat and Livestock Australia's On the Ground podcast with the very latest insights on all factors influencing the Australian red meat and global trade. I'm your host Josh Anderson and together with MLA's team of experts we'll be bringing you up to speed with what's happening across Australia's red meat markets. This week we cross over to the Middle East where we talk all things Expo coming out of Dubai. We catch up with Sam Gill, Regional Manager, and Damon Holmes, the new Business Development Manager in the market. But first, here's the news with Brett Thomas. Thanks Josh, and here's the latest news from our team on the ground. The Australian dollar has risen 4% against the US dollar since September, moving over 75 US cents last week, the highest point since July this year. In contrast, most key beef competitors' currency rates have come back against the US dollar in recent recent times. Brazil's currency has continued to depreciate since June this year, making them more desirable to buy from, particularly in an expensive and low supply market. This has been a key driver of Brazil being the largest exporter of beef in 2021. A rising dollar can have a varied effect on demand for product depending on the extent of supply from other key markets and the performance of other exchange rates. Some processors looking ahead would have forward sold a lot of their beef heading into Christmas, which would help to mitigate the impacts of a rising dollar. Despite the false starts due to COVID-19, Dubai Expo 2020 kicked off in style at the start of October with a significant official opening similar to that of the Olympic Games. The Expo site covers 438 hectares, has 84 food outlets and over 150 interactive robots roaming the pathways providing assistance and engagement with visitors. The event facilitates a global gathering of 192 participating nations dedicated to finding solutions to current pressing challenges across three theme topics of mobility, sustainability and opportunity. The six-month event offers a single site to facilitate connecting minds, creating the future through engaging and immersive activities between countries. Lastly, there's still time to join the last of a series of webinars run by MLA every Monday to November 15. Named the Impact Series, MLA experts will discuss insights and program investments driving profitability along the supply chain. To register, follow the links on the MLA homepage, mla.com.au. That's it for now, and we'll catch you next time for more news on the ground. So as you might have guessed, we're heading over to the Middle East with my guest this week, uh, Damon Holmes, the new business development manager in the Middle East, and Sam Gill, regional manager in the Middle East market. Fellas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for your time, mate. Great to be here again, Josh. So, Damo, fresh off the plane, how long have you been in market now? Just over two and a half weeks now. So, um, yeah, interesting time to to come. Obviously quite warm in, in August. Um, but settling in um, quite nicely across the region. Apart from the stifling heat uh, and the lack of rain, uh, which you'd probably be used to being from central Queensland, what surprised you about the region so far? Well, there's a, probably a pretty long list. And we probably haven't got enough time, but I think the main one for us is I think the uh, the sheer quantum of, of products from all around the world. I think a good example is we went to our first shop in a, in a, uh, a local supermarket and we had about 20 items. And there was about 18 countries that they came from. So, you know, coming from Australia, where it's predominantly Australian product, um, is is quite a big shock. And then, obviously, uh, you look at that across the meat cabinet as well. It's um, very uh, very reflective across all products. So, yeah, it's a it's a really big shock in when it's a global market. It, it literally is um, in that sense. Fellas, the the big news over there, I guess, is Expo has kicked off now expo 2020 in 2021 and obviously that's due to covid uh, restrictions not happening last year give us a bit of context uh, we heard a bit about it in the news but give us a bit of context about the sheer scale of this world expo event yeah it's quite significant josh i think um 
I think as as we pointed out, you know, it's, we're talking about 162 football fields, just a bit smaller than uh, the the Melbourne CBD at around you know four and a half kilometres squared the size. So you know, there's about 200 pavilions, 192 countries, you know, 84 food outlets. Um, there's about 150 interactive robots that you can engage with um, along this along the uh, the walkways, which is quite good for not only kids but um, adults alike. And you know, they've had up to at the moment around 2.7 million visitors um, in October. So it's pretty significant the area and the quantum of of, of countries, and just the the vastness of the site is is quite um, substantial. It's it's effectively the world's largest trade show as it goes through. So the timing of it is quite right. Um, as countries are starting to open up, but the, pretty much all of the major countries in the world represented 192 countries, and it's running over six months. So it, it's a longer term, longer term event. But it, they've effectively built a city in the middle of the desert to run this six month trade show. So it's it's pretty incredible. So when they talk interactive robots, sorry, that tweaked my interest. H- how do you interact with the robots? Uh, a good example is probably a bit like the movie Wally. You know, um, pretty similar to, to Wally. Um, they they certainly talk back, give you directions. Um, you can get photos um, and the like. So you know they're roaming around. You can pull them up and, and wave, and they, they they interact back. So yeah, it's it's quite interesting, but uh, very engaging. And they have been known to uh, swarm together for an interactive flash dance mob, flash mob <laughs> dance at some stage. So I, I suppose that leads, uh, lends itself a little bit to the theme uh, of Expo, future-driven, I'm assuming. What's the theme? Yeah, there's a couple that sort of underpin it, Josh. The main one's around connecting minds and creating the future. Um, so obviously it's a pretty high-level you know, view um, of, of what they want and, and powerful statement around what they want the outcome of to be. There's probably four really key areas that underpin that. Um, so you're talking about a global gathering of nations, as we, as we discussed, so there's a pretty significant quantum. Dedicated to finding solutions um, to pressing challenges of our time. So the key three areas of mobility, sustainability and opportunity, the three sort of pillars that underpin that. Each of the countries sort of offer a journey inside you know, those themes. So obviously Australia is not, um, uh, is also aligned with those. And ultimately each of the countries have got a, an engaging and immersive activities to really link back to the ultimate goal, which is connecting people, obviously in countries is key. And given, as we just discussed, um, we're moving out of COVID pretty quickly and back to normality, it's really opportune time for this event to happen and people to reconnect and and feel feel engaged again. They plan these themes out, you know, these events out five or six years in the future, but it's it's kind of a point of irony that in this uh, post-pandemic world, the theme, we've never been so disconnected or unconnected over the last 18 months. The future has been quite uncertain. So that theme of connecting minds and creating the future is probably as timely as it could be. For, for listeners interested in agriculture and exports, does that play a large role uh, or, or has a, have a large presence at Expo? Yeah, so as, as a world fair, pretty much everything is represented. So it can be each of the pavilions, each of the countries are showcasing the best of what they do. So whether it's trade, education, knowledge, technology, tourism or agriculture, all of that sort of has a role to play. Throughout the six-month period, there's a number of themes that are connecting. We've just come out of Space Week, which has been quite incredible. But now we're actually moving into urban and rural development, which will focus around the opportunity, particularly in some of the countries like Africa. 
probably the biggest opportunity or the biggest showcase for agriculture, there is a specific food and agri week, which conveniently enough is timed around golf food. So that'll be the major showcase for agriculture. But, you know, we have our underlying messages in sustainability week, um, logistics, all of these other things um, that are occurring throughout it. And really it's the produce that you see in those 84 food lights outlets that are scattered across the uh, four-kilometre expo site. You mentioned Gold Food. Um, moving over to Gold Food last year was largely a uh, virtual uh, presence uh, or billboard presence for uh, most exporters. Gold Food this year, uh, or next year, sorry, in Feb, are we uh, all systems go? Uh, looking forward to it, Josh. We're very much looking forward to welcoming exporters back into the country. So we've got, um, at this stage, all of the borders to countries in the GCC, Europe, the United States are now open for quarantine-free travel if you're vaccinated. It's really excited that, exciting that uh, Australia is now joining the world for, in a similar sort of situation if you're vaccinated, um, ready to get out and about. So the stand space is secured. We're starting to look at stand builds. We're looking to secure as much space as possible because um, we've lost a little bit due to um, the pandemic and socially distancing. But, you know, it's quite exciting. It's probably going to be the first major trade show that exporters will be able to attend on the global stage again. Yeah, I know the uh, exporters are pretty keen to get along uh, to that. Been a long time out of market. It'll probably be, I would say, the first one that exporters have the ability to attend from out of Australia. Um, but then obviously uh, we've got Singapore coming up as well as Seattle uh, next year, early next year and Japan trade show as well. So exciting times. It'll be good to see Australians back in the market, that's for sure. Absolutely. In terms of how the trade's tracking over there, export stats for beef, how are we going? It's, it's actually still a reasonably, it's still a pretty positive story here. So, you know, while beef exports globally are still down over the last 12 months, MENA is still growing. So we're up 12% on where we were before, around 31,000 tonnes. Um, and we're still seeing a little bit of that shift in the market value and volume in terms of the consumption. So uh, that split between grass-fed and grain-fed, grain-fed is now roughly half of what we're um, exporting to the Middle East. It's up around 20% on where it was pre-pandemic, which is um, a positive story. We're also seeing that change in chilled product coming into the market as well too. So those countries which have managed to um, shift or now have a chilled shelf life for beef at around 120 days, they're still maintaining levels or increasing levels and certainly in that premium grain-fed product, it's up around 25% of where it was a couple of years ago. So a good sign of in those countries, which is predominantly Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, opening up as we go through. Saudi is obviously going through some pretty incredible changes while we're talking about Expo here in Dubai. We just saw the opening of the uh, Riyadh Seasons Festival in Saudi Arabia four weeks ago. So four years ago, you couldn't. There were no cinemas in Saudi Arabia. You couldn't attend a cinema. Where four weeks ago they had two hundred thousand people in the street attending a opening concert by the U.S. rapper Pitbull. So you know the market is starting to open up a little bit. Um, probably the, the only downside is those markets where we haven't secured that one twenty day shelf life. We're seeing a little bit of a drop in chilled product going into those markets um, because of the challenges of sea freight. So it really sort of highlights the importance of the work that the market access team and Amanda Hodges here in the region actually do to uh, try and shift that benchmark and talk to, engage with AMIC 
the Australian government and the governments of other countries to um, work on those shelf life standards. Yeah, new starter in the region, Amanda as well, taking over from Spencer. It's an all, all new team. Uh, you've cleared house over there, uh, Sam. What about sheep meat, guys? How are we tracking? Is uh, air freight still knocking the trade of carcass? Air freight's having an impact. Um, we're, we're still down on where we were before, but it, it's a combination of air freight plus the higher cost of Australian lamb at the moment. We're seeing increased competition from Northern Africa, Eastern Europe coming into the market. So routinely, you know, where we may have had probably 70% of the shelf life for lamb in retail, we're probably down to about 50% of that that shelf space. So still an important role. Um, and very excited to see uh, the planes starting to fly out of um, Australia now. So Emirates will have a daily flight out of Sydney um, as of now with passengers on board and they'll be moving to have a daily flight um, out of Melbourne by the end of the month. So the more we can start to see that, see people moving around the world, the better the impact that will be for the uh, chilled lamb carcass trade into the Middle East. Will that be the A380, you reckon, flying out of Sydney? Be great to see them into the sky again. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're shifting to A380s at the moment. So a little bit less exciting for um, freight, but more exciting for passengers. Um, still 777s in Melbourne. That may shift as well too as we go along. But again, having more flights is not a bad thing, is a really good thing for the trade at the moment, particularly with um, some of the challenges we see in other modes of uh, transportation. Lastly, activities around the region, what are you guys working on at the moment? So the uh, the borders are open again, so we're able to start getting out and uh, revisit the uh, programs that we were doing a couple of years ago. So we're talking about heading back out and doing industry trade education programs, our true Aussie Beef and Lamb Academies across the region. Uh, we've got a series of chef immersions planned at the moment, so one in Jordan, one down in Abu Dhabi, and hopefully one in Qatar uh, in the coming months. And we've still got a number of activities around Expo as well too, heading back to that. So while there's, there's a number of 200-odd pavilions there at Expo, um, the Australian Pavilion is probably one of the better ones. It always rates and it's rating in the top three. It's got a theme of blue sky dreaming, which is really connecting that story from our first Australians and how they use technology in pre-settlement to uh, the use of technology, um, our technological achievements that we're doing now. So really connecting the past to the present. And they've had roughly around 100,000 people through that uh, presentation since it's opened in a month. What's really exciting is the uh, it has this outdoor entertainment area out the front that no other pavilion has. It's got a Melbourne Lane coffee shop where you can actually find the cheapest, decent coffee, not just in Dubai, but pretty much the entire Middle East. It's got a, a licensed bar. Uh, it's the only pavilion with an outdoor licensed bar, so you can stop and have a cold one out the front of as well too is. if it's later <laughs> in the evening. Absolutely. And even better, it's got an Aussie grill there, so... Plenty of opportunities to showcase that fantastic Truozzi beef and lamb in many different ingredients. And you can sit back. It's got entertainment. So you might have an acoustic uh, guitar singer. You might have an acrobat there. But it really recreates that uh, nice vibe of an outdoor cafe or even better, a beer garden. And for those of you, you know, for us who haven't travelled back to Australia for a couple of years, it's it's like a little slice of heaven. Yeah, well, I I'm assuming uh, exporters will look forward to attending when they're at Gulf Food, uh, popping over after the show, uh, I'm sure. And uh, finally, guys, is it fact or is it fiction? Against some pretty sound advice, Damo, you have joined a rugby team over there uh, in Dubai and lost 10 kilos on your first training session due to the heat. Mate, I would say 
Look, we'll probably just say that's fact. <laughs> Mate, you are looking pretty slender. Oh, I don't know if there's a food getting to you or what it is. Yeah, look, it's funny you say that because, yeah, I'm um, just getting used to the heat, mate, and 100%. I'm pretty quick off the mark now, so... Um, it might be because of the weight, Matt, that's for sure. And 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 the other is it fact or is it fiction? Sam Gill, you've been moonlighting as the guitarist at the Expo stand. <laughs> I'm more the roadie out there at the moment, Josh. We're sort of checking out the scene a little bit, um, making sure that they're well hydrated, so keeping on top of that. Uh, sounds like you guys are having a good time, doing a good job over there. Thanks for your time, fellas. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Well, what a fascinating episode. I really hope to get to that Expo Dubai, as I'm sure a number of listeners will. But that's all we have time for this week on the On The Ground podcast. As always, all of the information and insights can be found on the MLA website, mla.com.au. Also, make sure you subscribe where you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Josh Anderson. Look forward to talking to you on a fortnight.